This is the RBR TVBR In Focus podcast. Here's your host, radio and television business report editor-in-chief, Adam R. Jacobson. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the In Focus podcast. It's presented by .fm, streaming social podcast or broadcast. Get a .fm domain name by heading over to get.fm today. And joining us for this edition of the podcast is Anne Shelley. She's the managing director of Pearl TV the business organization of broadcast television companies with a shared interest in the voluntary rollout of ATSC 3.0 and NextGen TV. Celeste joined us in October of 2021, and it's a pleasure to be speaking with her once again. We recorded the conversation in early May of 2022 following the very successful 2022 NAB show in Las Vegas. There's much to talk about, Let's start the conversation by talking about where the marketing will come in next. Okay, now we're out of the NAB. Where does Pearl TV go from here? And while Pearl TV has done a lot in terms of getting the message out on what is available and how I'm just lured with Run3 TV, I think that there's a consumer message here that needs to come next. My first question to you, Anne, is... Will broadcasters be initiating any sort of consumer-based outreach on NextGen TV in the coming months just to bring that awareness level up that we're just not seeing in our home market? Yeah. So did you see the ad? So you're in West Palm, right? Yes. Or are you in West Palm? We are. So we ran a we we ran a ton of ads there right after West Palm launched. I was hoping you were you saw some. I didn't, and that's unfortunate because you know we do watch a lot of that local content. So typically, what we do is when the market launches a couple weeks after it launches, we do a three week rotation or sort of uh, of uh, spots, and then we're coming in for grads and dads, and um, and we're going to come back in for back to back to back to. Uh, school, um, sports, uh, football in the fall, and then the holiday season again. Mm-hmm. So we ran over $20 million with ads last year across 17 markets in terms of spots. Um, these are promotional spots for next gen. And the ads, you can see them. It's also two, they're, they're you know, 15, 30 second spots. Um, if you go to www.watchnextgentv.com, we just refreshed that site. We haven't announced a refresh of that site um, because we're we're coming out with what we call an explainer video that's going to go out on YouTube okay. uh, TV, and it's going to be uh, pushed by the stations on their websites and Facebook and things like that. It's meant for a social campaign, really targeting millennials. Which you know, in our research, we're finding that there's a strong interest in next-gen TV, um, and it's specifically these are sort of core numbers and. Um, and uh, and already cut the cord, but definitely cord nevers. Um, we're working on some other bundling opportunities, sort of a back-to-school antenna bundle with one of the manufacturers. Um, but we've we've like we ran a significant holiday campaign. So um, the one market that we've done it twice in, we went you know the first year we tested the messaging, was it working? And it came back, yes, it's working. And so this year we went into and I can send you all the research. We went into six cities. We asked for, you know, we got feedback on awareness. So Detroit was the one market that we ran the camp holiday 2021 and 2020. We've got like a something like a 22%, 30% awareness level now in Detroit of next gen TV from consumers. So we went up 11%. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So we're going back out. Our market, our marketing plan program this year is pretty extensive. So we're going to take it obviously to bigger markets. So okay, that's great. More markets and bigger markets as we launch. You know, big markets like Boston and Miami, which we're launching this uh, late this summer. Um, obviously, New York um, and uh, San Francisco mm-hmm. and those types of markets. But um, yeah, no. We're, we, so if you go to the website, you can see that consumers, all the ads are tagged. They're tagged with the station logo and they're tagged with www.watchsectiontv.com. And the consumers are coming and buying sets off the site. Yeah. And we're also working with the retailers to start to promote. You'll see that, you know, the various retailers are on the site. Um, but Best Buy being a big national retailer tends to want to, before they start promoting in-store, to make sure that we have the bigger market stuff. They need over 75% of households covered. Um, but we're not waiting for that. So, yeah, so we've got, I mean, it was a big campaign. All the stations ran it. You know, we, they're all they're all encoded, so they're encoded by BBS. So we track all the spots. We know where they ran. We know when they ran. And then we go back in and do research. So Maggot's the second year the Maggot's done a consumer survey and market asking consumers did they if you saw did you see the mm-hmm. ad? Um, you know, did you understand it? What resonated with you? Um, you know, and did you go buy a TV? And so so seventy four percent of respondents said when they saw the ad they wanted a next gen television. So our marketing is spot on in terms of the messaging, the broader message. And now we're starting to drill down into sort of specific messaging around key attributes. That consumers, uh, you know, will value um, over some of the other attributes. So that's why we did a Dolby ad. So we launched the Dolby ad uh, in the fall of this past year in 2021, um, in October. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, and those have been running also. So the stations are like, they're running them. They, you know. So I have to ask uh what other uh, outside of the TV station on air marketing might be uh, in the plan. For example, is there going to be any out of home? Uh, will the New York Times have a, any sort of advertisements or the Wall Street Journal? Yeah. Um, um, because so many people are using D to C, you know, are you going to be doing any sort of campaign where people that are using Disney Plus or not, not so much Disney, but yeah. I, I meant Hulu, yeah, so you know, the, the, um, the so Avod, you know, AVOD seems to be a good opportunity for broadcast to grow in. Right. So we have, um, we're, we're going to use, we do have new channels that we're going to be using beyond, beyond the um, social and the veils from the television stations themselves. Um, we'll be announcing that, you know, we're working with different partners talking about that to see how that those are going to get placed. Uh, I, I mentioned we just, so our creative firm is Hot House out of Atlanta. They produced the first ad. We have an explainer video coming out um, that we haven't announced yet. It's it's in production right now, and that's really our social vehicle. It's gonna be, it's it's meant for YouTube TV. It's meant for Instagram. It's meant for Facebook, um, and for social and for social buys. So it's specifically targeted at at that effort, um, and. Um, yeah. So, I mean, we, we are doing that. I mean, it, there's, you know, but I, what our marketing mix is going to look like is still in development. Mm-hmm. 
I only bring that up because, you know, everybody wants to go viral these days. And when you deal with an audience that, for whatever reason, thinks that, hey, they're getting something for free that you'd have to pay for. Like, whoa, you know, am I stealing this? Is this a hack? Like, what's going on? Like, the very concept of broadcast TV is absent among this generation of social media uh denizens that you know you you could really grow broadcast tv in ways that perhaps haven't even really been thought of before so it's just an interesting angle no i i, to- I totally agree with you I, I think there's some cool things we could do on a d2c level we're working on that i mentioned that um the bundle so starting to bundle televisions with antennas it's not been done yet um that's a project we're working on right now um with one of the manufacturers uh and they have interesting channels themselves. Um, so you have to think about their distribution channels as well. Um, and so those are ones that we're going to be um, levering and coming, you know, through. And what's interesting is, you know, there's there's certain buying time frames for televisions. Uh, majority, like over half, are sold between um, October and January, the first week of January when the sales go, but the holiday season. And then you've got Brad's and Dad's, which is coming up, and you've got um, back to school and football, and then the Super Bowl. That's really it, and then it's low. I mean, right now it's we're in the what we call the reset. The you've got at, you just had Samsung launch its new models, um, and Sony launched their new models. We also have the entrance of Hisense coming later this summer, and we'll be doing a lot of a lot of promote around the new Hisense TVs. Um, so and using the, their channels. So. You know, that's the other interesting thing here. These guys have um, existing channels that they're looking to upsell their their customer who might have bought one TV and has one smart TV in their house and has some old stuff. And, you know, you want to upsell the new TVs. So that's the other piece that we're working on. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm wondering, do you have at this point any sense of the number of households that are watching next-gen TV, or is that still something that's too formative in its stages to really kind of measure accurately? I think it's too early. Um, Some of what we've been doing is making sure that the applications are running correctly on these televisions. Um, You know, we're really coming into our sort of third generation of sets out there. Things are starting to get stabilized, like anything that's brand new in tech. So just working through and making sure the sets are enabling the application correctly, you know, there's a lot of learning that has gone into the deployment and, and the, how the stations are set up. Are, you know, they're versioning. They're, they're, there's already been numerous versions and numerous um, upgrades out to these TV sets. You know, the manufacturers went out pretty quickly in 2020 with those new TV sets. The standard was just, fresh off the printing press, right? Nobody had really built an end-to-end system either. I mean, we did a lot of work in Phoenix, but now, you know, we're continuing to enable features and functions in the TV sets. And as we do that, like in anything, um, similar to how how the native apps are being launched on television, there's a lot that goes into ensuring that the APIs are open, that they're being enabled. Um, So it's early days. Stabilization on returned, you know, understanding of, who, of the viewership probably not until we get to some 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 sort of more significant scale. Just don't forget the fact that 
you know, these went out on high-end sets, um, the tech initially. We Our goal is to get down to the into the high-volume, low-cost sets. Um, and that's why we did our deal with MediaTek. Uh, and what we're trying to do there, Adam, is ensure that we cut out the complexity for tier two manufacturers uh, that tend to be in that space of the high volume, low cost, uh, and ensure that everything's set and ready to go. Um, so it's a one-stop kind of shop for these guys to accelerate the, the volume play. And, you know, once we, we start to get into that, if you think about it, you know, 45 million sets are sold every year. We'll be in 10% this year. Um, I forget what CTA is thinking about for next year, but we've got to get into that low volume. That's when things really start to take off, and that's when you're going to see the viewership. So I, w I would give it another year. Okay. Yeah. Interesting observation uh, being at the ATSC booth. I saw dongles. I saw USB opportunities for those that want ATSC 3.0 like delivery of next gen TV on TV sets that may not be equipped with next gen TV mm -hmm. inside yeah. of it. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm wondering if this is perhaps a pivot or if this is just an extension of getting those new TV sets out there because it, it kind of took me by surprise that now there's an opportunity for those with, let's say, a UHD 4K TV to now enjoy the benefits of next-gen TV through HDMI, USB, especially with the, you know, the economic environment. I know we have had conversations about people investing in new TVs and the replacement uh, time frame. We're in a very challenging economy right now, and with the rollout of ATSC 3.0, we certainly wouldn't want the economy to put a damper on that. So I'm wondering yeah. if you could share a little bit more about the dongles and the USBs and the HDMI capability. Yeah, um, so that's the other part of the reason why we're working on the MediaTek um, program. So these these have to be you know inexpensive, below $60, um, which is what the price points are that some of the manufacturers are looking at. Uh, you know, think back in the day when the, you know, the government funded um, the converter boxes. Uh, it's it's a natural um, accessory that consumers, you know, can utilize. So they they bought a television since 2000, pretty much since 2015. Um, they can get the same similar benefits. Um, it's you know, it's it's not everything that you can get on a embedded television set that has next gen, but pretty close and um so yeah we're working on um sponsoring those but yeah we're we you know look there's 200 million um sets in homes nationally um that have been sold today you know sitting there right now in homes, 200 million sets two, a little over 200 million sets 215 210 something like that um and about 100 million of those um were um sold since 2015 are smart TVs and you know consumers um, the life cycle is about six years seven years that they hold on to a television set uh, so we want to get those viewers also um, you know uh, so I, I think we're, we're working on sort of programs for accessory makers uh, the, the, the trick will be uh, enabling them you know in retail on uh, getting adoption in retail before I wrap up, I did have one other question, and it 
does tie into again um, some of the technology um, that is tied to what consumers are going to benefit from. Um, I mean, the BitPath story is amazing, but this Run3 TV platform, um, which we really just didn't know much about until right before the NAB show, and then seeing it um, up close, it does bridge what people are consuming in a OTT environment with over-the-air television. And I'm wondering if this is a conscious effort to kind of merge the two worlds together because we see so many people going to the digital world that it, it kind of streamlines and, and upgrades, if you will, broadcast TV. I'm just wondering if you have any thoughts on, you know, just the the, the potential that Run 3 TV brings broadcast television that consumers may not yet even be aware of. Yeah, it actually completely changes the over-the-air environment and modernizes it and brings consumers um, what they're used to, you know, um, you know, on you know on the internet, uh, and we're really excited about it. Essentially, what Run Three is, it's the extraction layer uh, that allows broadcasters to be able to develop once and run across many. Which is, you know, you've got multiple OS systems out there that the TV manufacturers use. You know, LG has WebOS, Samsung has Tizen, um, you've got Android. Uh, and even when they develop uh, model and lines of televisions, they change features and functions, including sort of how you navigate on the TV set with the remote. Um, what REN3 does is it allows broadcasters to develop applications, uh, but not have to uh, do the, sort of the intensive work with the manufacturers to ensure that they're all going to work correctly. Um, so when you build off a of REN3, uh, an application, uh, for example, when you're it, – the application modifies itself when it hits a LG TV. It recognizes it's an LG TV, and it knows that you're going to be using a wand because their 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 remote's a wand. Um, so it accelerates uh, the deployment of these applications. Uh, it's you know we're going to be licensing it uh, pretty freely uh, to both broadcasters and developers uh, through what we call a community license. Uh, approach which allows everybody sort of to participate in it and sort of drive and guide uh, this new environment. And one thing we want to make sure is the consumer experience is um, fluid and easy to understand. Uh, so it creates commonalities across channels, but still allows broadcasters to do things like develop shopping applications or polling applications or anything that's specific to their content. Um, it also allows for that hybrid uh, consumer experience, both for loot news and, and, and um, you know, uh, sports programming, any kind of programming. So, you know, between uh, the affiliates and the networks, they'll be able to do some really cool things um, in these menus and guides, allowing consumers to sort of personalize their viewing experience in over the air, which didn't exist before. Mm -hmm. Well, with that, um, I want to thank you for taking time out of a busy afternoon um, to chat with me, and I'm glad that we had this update. All right. Thanks, Adam. 
Once again, that is Anne Shelley, the Managing Director of Pearl TV, the business organization of broadcast television companies with a shared interest in the voluntary rollout of NextGen TV. With that, we want to thank you for listening to this In Focus podcast. It was a presentation of .fm, streaming social podcast or broadcast. Get a .fm domain name by heading over to get.fm today. From the global headquarters of Streamline Publishing and the... Radio and Television Business Report, Radio Inc., and Podcast Business Journal. I'm Adam R. Jacobson of Boca Raton, Florida. Have a fantastic day.